Good afternoon. You're listening to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm Andy Bates, sitting in for Kip Allen, and it is our opportunity, your opportunity, uh, to sit back with me and have a good, con- good old-fashioned conversation with a pastor and ask questions, get some answers. Today's pastor, our very own Reverend Dr. Matthew Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, joining me in studio today. Pastor Harrison, thanks for being our guest on Let's Talk. It's a pleasure. It is uh, a joy to get to have an hour to sit down and talk with you. And there are, I know there are many questions that that people have right now, especially with so many concerns going on uh, in the United States and around the globe uh, concerning coronavirus, COVID-19, many concerns about that. And and what we're hearing on uh, so many other platforms, so many other news outlets and places, um, just... uh, well, probably isn't very comforting. It's it's certainly important to be informed um, about what's going on in the in the world um, to to be adequately prepared. But what they're not able to give is what we can do right here, and that is we can we can share uh, the truth of God's word. And uh, so glad to have you here to answer those questions. So, what can we as we look at what's going on in the world around us today and the, the issues that we're facing? with uh, coronavirus. Is there anything that we can learn from history that would be helpful today? Well, of course. Uh, The Lord works in a consistent way through history generally. And I was thinking about this today. I was thinking of parallels with the great Asian tsunami, tsunami, which occurred, uh, I think, in 06, if I remember right. I was executive for Alzheimer's World Relief and Human Care. And about a week later, I was on the ground in Sri Lanka and then Indonesia and seeing this devastation. I mean, I'll never forget seeing uh, in Indonesia uh, buildings five, six, seven stories high, just pancake, just level upon level, just had fallen in on the other and The large groups of volunteers cleaning and... Uh, still searching for the dead, hoping for uh, a survivor here and there, or in India, a train, uh, a passenger train, which had contained the leader of one of our Lutheran groups there, which had uh, the great tsunami waves had swept over land and thrown off the track and killed 1,500 people. And I... There was kind of vast wondering at that time among us, how could God let such a thing happen? But I don't, I don't hear that in this context. Do you? I haven't heard it much recently. Yeah, I haven't heard it much. And uh, I don't know why that is. I think, I think even as screwy as times seem and as inexplicable and really bizarre the situation is around us. I mean, all kinds of things are fluctuating. How how dangerous is this flu? It, it is the flu, but apparently it's ten times more deadly than the regular flu. Uh, there are only two cases in Missouri, but on the one hand, but on the other hand, you know... Italy started with one, two cases, and then exploded. So it does have this capacity to be, to be very dangerous. With that in mind, it, it it does have a capacity to be dangerous. And that really is, I think, the message that we're getting from so many other news media outlets that this is virus. And or, I mean, this is this is viral. This is really has great potential, um, wanting people to be prepared. But what's resulting from that is also fear and panic and, um, and, and people acting out in ways that we don't normally act out in a regular, uh, on a regular daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what can we learn from the catechism that would be what could be we be reminded of from the catechism at a time like this? Well, all kinds of things, but I would say we pray our Father in heaven, our mm-hmm. Father who art in heaven. What does this mean? He is our dear Father, etc. And we are to address him as dear children address their dear Father in heaven. 
we have a precious Father who loves us and cares for us. And when we look at the cross, second article of the creed, we see how God uses a suffering, difficulty, tragedy. He uses it in positive ways. And he continues to do that uh, throughout the Bible. Um, Job says, I will though he slay me, I will yet believe in him. Uh, Jacob wrestles with the angel, and Luther says it wasn't just a kind of a happy uh, frolic. It was really a life-or-death match. I mean, uh, Jacob, was, as far as he was concerned, that angel was trying to kill him. And uh, he's wrestling with God. Um, and there's this, uh, this hidden God we deal with, yet he reveals himself in the Son. And ironically, he reveals us, reveals himself to us most clearly in the most horrid moment of suffering of Jesus. It's at that point when he, Jesus dies that the centurion says, uh, behold, this was the Son of God. And uh, so that's the only guy, aside from John the baptizer and God, who get, and the demons, who actually know who Jesus is in Mark's whole gospel. He only recognizes him in suffering. So the Lord, on the one hand, is in control of all things. If he would withdraw his hand, Luther says, for a minute, all of creation would fall to pieces. It isn't as though God is a watchmaker God who creates the universe and then steps away, but he continues to uphold its creation and creativity. Uh, we also learn that sin is a, a really bad defect, mm -hmm. and it, uh, it's a defect that causes bugs and viruses and those kind of things which cause damage. And yet all of it somehow, even though we don't see it, we're like, we're like the women looking at Jesus on the cross while he's dying, saying, what's going on? God hates us. God is against us. Is there even a God? And it's precisely there when God is doing exactly what he plans for good, the greatest good he's ever done in the history of the universe. His own son dies for the sins of the world. And uh, you wouldn't know that God was at work there. And so we have confidence that God is at work in all things and his creation continues to work in believers. And we know for sure that crosses cause people to think about important things, eternal verities, the word of God, and drives us to Christ and points us to Christ. So uh, we can count on that fact continuing to happen. In the days, weeks ahead, daily schedules, daily routines may change for many people. What we do on a, a daily basis, so what, um, it, which may leave us, it may leave many people in isolation, disconnected from many people, uh, which can often take our thoughts back to self, back to me. Uh, what do you have? Uh, what can you? What would you say to that, Pastor? <laughs> well, I think it presents dangers and also opportunities. I've uh, took a vacation not too long ago, and I shut the TV off for a week. I couldn't figure out how to turn the thing on at first and the location we were at, and I didn't try very hard after that, and I realized how much happier I was not watching nonsense all the time and the latest, you know, you can watch the average news station for about 10 minutes and get all the headlines. It was so nice to be disconnected from that. So I think, on the one hand, isolation may drive us to social media, where where all the kind of angst and stupidity in the world, stupidity in the world, is expressed, but also good stuff. But also, might give us an opportunity to actually relate to our friends, family, and neighbors in a positive way, um, and be a bit of a a bit of a holiday in a sense. So. I, I would look at it as an opportunity to meditate on Christ and his word and to uh, seek out good things and to spend some quality time with friends and neighbors. The reality is if you're uh, under 60 and moreover, if you don't have respiratory problems or high blood pressure or other kinds of complicating issues, significant complicated heart problems, you're, you're not going to be killed by this thing. So. Uh, people are vulnerable, and we need to be careful for those people and, and watch out for them. And I think one thing uh, the Catechism also teaches is that uh, we should be subject to authorities, but also uh, Commandment 5 on the positive side, side says we should look out for and care for our neighbor. 
And uh, we'll have the opportunity to do that by not getting infected ourselves and infecting other people. So taking responsibility and, and uh, avoiding what, you know, taking those measures that are necessary so that you don't infect someone else as mm -hmm. well. That's important. Yeah, and I've been doing that. I've been... Hiding? <laughs> I've been doing a lot of elbow bumping. I'm, yeah. I'm glad that I'm at uh, probably seven feet away from you right now. And uh, <laughs> it makes me more comfortable. I'm not a germophobe, but I think for the sake of my family mm -hmm. and uh, uh, not bringing things to my family, I, I deal with people from all over the world regularly. Just It behooves us to be a bit careful until this thing passes. We're talking with Pastor... Matthew Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod on Let's Talk. If you have a question or a comment today, uh, we're talking about addressing fears, particularly looking at um, our, our concerns and, and what's going on in the world today with a Lutheran worldview. 1-800-730-2727. That's 1-800-730-2727 or 314-821-0850. That's 314-821-0850. Or you can email us, let's talk at kfuo.org. Glad to take your questions today as well. We're going to go to the listener lines right now. Let's go to Deborah in Wisconsin. Good afternoon, Deborah. Good afternoon. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for calling. What's your question today? Well, I don't know that I have so much of a question as a comment about the discussion so far. And that's that um, I think what a lot of people are failing to recognize in this whole uh, scenario is that the amount of deaths that are have occurred so far are so much fewer than the deaths all last year from just influenza. I mean, seven times more, over 34,000 people had died in just the U.S. last year from influenza. Compare that to the 5,000 or less that have died worldwide now. Why are we panicking? Why is the media whipping this up into such a big story? I, I think we need to ask ourselves those kinds of questions. Thanks for your call, Deborah. Yeah, I, I don't mind asking those kind of questions. On the one hand, um, you know, the president's task force has come forward, and I think uh, Mike Pence has done a wonderful job. I've watched them. They're, they appear to me to be completely sincere and sincere folks. But we have, obviously, a lot of things going on. There's a political nonsense going on. Um, there's uh, uh, the opposition to uh, the president and a desire also on the media's part to hype things up in general. So those realities are part of the conundrum and the, the challenge we face. It's... It's part of the mix, and mm -hmm. it's a reality, and it's disturbing. It, it, it's frustrating and disturbing. In the midst of that, too, we have, we have a real, it's obvious we have a real health crisis going on. And I, I know the numbers, comparisons, et cetera, uh, but we also have public officials, uh, trusted public officials, saying this is a very significant issue, and it, and it can spread very, very broadly. I'm hoping it's done for in a few weeks, praying it will. Most of these viruses, as... We, can't, we encountered them in Elsimus World Relief and Human Care. We would get a call. I'd get a call every two years. What are you doing about the viruses? Is, should, should people be taking the common cup or et cetera, et cetera? And there would always be kind of media hype on these things. This is, of course, the greatest hype I've ever seen. What can the church do during a time like this to be, to be helpful, to be the church to the world? I think we simply hold up Christ and uh, be of good cheer. Um, you know, it's uh, fear is not in and of itself uh, necessarily sinful. I mean, Luther uh, says as much in his treatise on fleeing the plague. Um, is it wrong to be afraid of a, a tornado sweeping in and to take precautions against it? Of course not, saying, I know heaven is mine. I don't need to go down in the basement. Uh, of course not. So um, having a respect for, for some kind of uh, danger, we should put it in perspective. 
Uh, very few people are vulnerable to this thing. I mean, comparatively, uh, but we should take precautions and uh, live our life with the knowledge that all the hairs on our heads are numbered and the Lord works all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And look, there's a downside with a lot of the hype and wherever that goes. We can't control any of that. But there's also an upside. I think you've got an opportunity to talk to people about uh, serious things and to ask the question, where does your where does your confidence for living reside? Where does your hope reside? Mm -hmm. uh, is it Christ? It should be, and it can be, and Christ is for you. And uh, that's a good way to live. Amen. Amen. It, you mentioned fear, and I think fear, it, it comes up a lot uh, in, in light of the, the current issue. And uh, just yesterday I was reading 1 John 4. Fear comes up a lot in that text as well. Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, reminding us that the, the, uh, the role of fear and the role of love and, and God uh, in our lives. Perfect love driving out fear. Sure does. I mean, but that perfect love is found in Christ. Mm -hmm. Christ only. Uh, you know, I, I met people through through the years who've told me they're not afraid to die. And I, and I certainly believe them. And God moves people in various ways. But the reality is we have the old man and we have the new man. And the new man is full of faith and hope and love and complete confidence. Mm -hmm. But I have the old man with me at the same time. And that old man, old man is capable of stirring up anxiety, fear, uh, worries all the time just in the daily struggles of life. So I'm not telling anybody, you know, somehow get rid of all your fears because Jesus loves you. Well, he does love you indeed, but he loves you in spite of and with your fears and uh, failings. So uh, that is the message we need to have. And I'm one of those people who likes to do. I'm a, you know, I... <laughs> I like to think about things, but I also like to do. What's, mm -hmm. how, do you, mm -hmm. how do you deal with that in a practical way? I've got this old Adam in me um, who likes to stir up that fear. Um, what do I do with that, Pastor? It's Lent. It's a season of repentance. Recognize it. Confess it. Uh, confess it to God in your prayers. Uh, plead for his mercy, which he gives. Mm -hmm. Go see a pastor and confess it privately and have your sins absolved in that way. Uh, be honest to your family if uh, anxiety is overcoming you and you're responding in irrational ways. Apologize. Be forgiven. Forgive them. Uh, forgiveness is our only hope. Make use of the sacrament and uh, return to your baptism every day. That's the only remedy. Hmm. Amen. I love the, uh, you know, this is uh, also a, a time when you know, if there are congregations that are are um, not able to meet in their regular setting, uh, as there are you know, um, across the country, various municipalities issuing bans on large assemblies, and and whether or not congregations can meet is is certainly a question that's coming up. And if a congregation isn't able to meet, uh, this is also a time to to consider if you're not already doing family devotions, what. Uh, you know, how could family devotions be a part of your day? What what, what could family devotions look like? By the way, we're just um, we we just got the ruling today that St. Louis County in here in Missouri, where we're located, has declared a state of emergency and declared that uh, groups more than two hundred fifty should not be meeting. It's our understanding, as has generally been the history of the case, that churches are exempted from that. But we're double-checking on that legally, and you'll want to double-check on it in your areas. Um, but uh, the opportunities are endless. My pattern of devotion is to come to a kneeler in the morning. Mine is in the office. I get up fairly early most of the time. And when I get in the office, uh, that kneeler just says to me, come over here right now. Stop what you're doing. Don't go to your desk. Uh, that's full of toys and distractions and electrical gadgets and books. Come over to me, and then I pray the Psalms most regularly. I've done many different things, devotional books over the years, but the Psalms I keep coming back to because they express the wide range of human emotion, failing, faith, faithlessness, mm -hmm. 
they recount God's uh, mercies, faithfulness in the past. The Psalms in the 70s are particularly delightful because they recount the God, great deeds of God in the past as confidence for going forward in the future. So I would say the Psalms, pray together uh, with your family at the Lord's Prayer and at mealtime, and uh, grab your hymnal and sing some some favorite hymns. They're uh, in the service book and the hymnal and other devotional resources from CPH, and there are many, many of them. You have devotions that you can use from Johann Gerhard to Walther to Luther to who knows what, portals of prayer, of course. But you have services, uh, brief services of prayer in the morning, noon, and evening, which are really quite delightful. Those are, are great resources. Uh, we have used um, my first hymnal in our household, which has some great brief liturgies for yeah. morning and evening in them as well, and wonderful hymns in them, as well as the Psalms and the Creed, and uh, all a great resource to help us as a family to gather around God's Word and to reflect on that uh, and, and to receive God's gifts in His Word. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the phone lines. Let's see. We've got... Uh, Let's see who we have on this afternoon. We, it looks like we have Pastor Hendrick. Is that Pastor Hendrick joining us today? It is, yes, from down here in Perry County, Missouri, Perryville. Oh, well, thanks for joining us, Pastor Hendrick. Good to hear your yeah. voice. What's your well, question you know, for us? Every now and then, uh, we who are in the manger of the Missouri Senate need to make our presence known. Oh, and more <laughs> so as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, a while ago, the question was asked, how do we be Christ in a time of peril or disaster or whatever that we're going like we're going through now i have a very profound answer for that are you ready yes i'm sir. sitting down <laughs> okay we be christ by simply continuing to be christ we keep doing what we've always been doing and we do it with vigor with faith with joy with excitement so we just continue being christ Amen. Now, how how profound is that? <laughs> That's great. Sounds like a great sermon title. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my sermon last week uh, had one of those uh, great sermon titles. Uh, here I am being arrogantly proud. Um, God gives us grace simply because he's gracious. He does indeed. Amen. Yep, yep. So anyway, I just want to bump in and say hello and <clears throat> share that bit of profoundness with you. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live by, I live by faith in the Son of God. Galatians yep. 2.20, which was Martin Chemnitz's favorite verse. Yeah. Uh, so, right on, brother. You know, it, it, it strikes me that sometimes I think we sometimes overthink things. Uh, we get so caught up in the, in the panic and the media-driven uh, stuff that we think we have to come up with something new and profound ideas, but we really don't. It's just it's it, it, what you just said. It's just simply being Christ. Continue being what we always are. That's right. Uh, yeah. When Luther wrote his great document responding to the plague, which is a bacterial problem, and killed a third or half of Europe, uh, 20 million, 25 million plus at the time, um, Luther's big thing was for those who have vocations, particularly to watch over others and care for others and also in families where they're caring for the ill or the sick or those kind of things, they should by all means stay and take care of those people and uh, be confident in the Lord's uh, protection and help. And the most, really the most, I think, Pastor, the most profound thing about Luther's insight and vocation is that we're not we're not to be looking all kinds of other places to find meaning in our life. The Lord puts us in a place, and he puts people around us. And Luther says, my neighbor's need is my vocation to mercy. What can I do at this time? Look around to your neighbors. Who do you live yeah, with? Who's exactly. next door to you? Who's Who's that elderly person down the street who is scared to who is maybe scared to death because of the media and really has no reason to be, but could really use a good word, a little time, some love and encouragement. And, um, and for us parish pastors, uh, and, it, and it parallels what you're saying, 
we need to just continue being the pastor caregivers that we've been being given, that we've been doing, faithful to our calling, faithful to our calling. Amen. And I, I hope, and we, we can preach, don't be afraid, but that should be a preaching full of the gospel, not a command right. uh, that right. you're somehow uh, sinning horribly because you're afraid of this virus. Well, you are sinning horribly, but that's the short word. The long word is Christ is exactly for the weak, the sinner, the one who fails, and let the gospel predominate with great, great joy. Which is excellent for the season we're in of Lent as we're approaching Holy Week and uh, Easter weekend. Christ already took into himself all of our sin, our weakness, our vulnerabilities. He, He has absorbed it all for us and given us what he had and still has, his robes of righteousness. So true. And according to Isaiah 53, as certainly as traditional uh, Lutheran dogmatics and Christology recognizes, there Jesus no doubt had common cold, flu, viruses, those kind of things. Those things are not in and of themselves sinful. And Jesus Correct. bore our afflictions, carried our sicknesses, uh, some translations say. So Christ yep. has been through it all. He knows it. And... Uh, He's ours. Well, thank you for uh, thank you for for receiving my call. I thank you, brother. It. God bless all your work, and uh, thank you for it. Thanks, Pastor you Hendrick. Betcha. Have a good day. Bye bye. That was the allegedly retired Pastor Hendrick. There's a lot of allegedly <laughs> retired Missouri City pastors out there. Oh, we, we are thankful for him. Many of them are failing at it. <laughs> failing at being retired. Yeah. <laughs> we have more to talk about on Let's Talk. We're talking with Pastor Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you have a question or a comment today, 1-800-730-2727, 1-800-730-2727, or 314-831-0850. More right after this on KFUO. Friday on Issues Etc. We'll continue our series on the Lutheran Confessions, discussing the preface and the summary rule and norm of the solid declaration of the Formula of Concord. Our guest will be Pastor Paul McCain. We'll also look forward to Sunday morning talking with Dr. Carl Fakencher about peace with God through faith in Romans chapter 5. Issues Etc. Live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Welcome back to Let's Talk. I'm Andy Bates, sitting in for Kip Allen this afternoon. We are talking with Pastor Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and uh, addressing some questions of what it means to be a Christian, um, what it means to be a Lutheran today, particularly in light of what's going on in the world around us, and uh, living in hope, living in the hope that we have in Christ, or rather than fear. Pastor, what can we do in the days, weeks ahead uh, to 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 love our neighbor to how can we serve our neighbor uh, as you were sharing with us from the catechism earlier you know how to um, you know the the the, the positive um, look at the the fifth commandment not hurting or harming our neighbor um, but rather uh, doing what we can to help him what can we do in the days weeks ahead uh, to be of service to our neighbor to show love. Help and support him in every physical need. So I think the first thing we can do is make sure that we as individuals and the church operate in a responsible way in the midst of this pandemic. And uh, that's what our our people and our pastors know how to do this. That's why they um, make sure they're um, hygienic in the way they deal with the sacrament. And... uh, deal with uh, people in church. A number of churches have taken measures, for instance, about uh, 
passing the peace, you know, bumping elbows or something else, um, making sure that if we have symptoms that we don't uh, infect other people and that we're, we, we take precautions so that um, we're hygienic, keep ourselves hygienic as possible. That's a duty and a responsibility, a civic responsibility and also a Fifth Commandment responsibility. Secondly, I think, as we said before, consider your vocation and look for those people right around you or under your nose. Uh, how are they dealing with this? A lot of people are stressing out over this because of all the media news coverage, which is kind of crazy, frankly. And so how are the people right around you under your nose doing with this? How's your pastor doing with this? Give him some encouragement and love. Uh, make sure you give generously to your congregation. Attendance may well be down, or some churches in some places may not have services at all. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of congregations that kind of uh, are, you know, hand-to-mouth week to week. Mm -hmm. So be generous in your giving. Uh, check on the people who God has put right around you in your place of work in your neighborhood and be encouraging to them and uh, check on how they're doing and share Christ with them. So those are uh, those are simple and local and immediate ways we should uh, respond to this with those around us. Uh, great. And, uh, and those are things that we do not only in a time like this, but that we should be doing all the time, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but times like this give you right. the opportunity to have those those interactions and, and conversations. To be reminded, certainly, of these as well. Yeah, to, to be reminded. Um, what about our... Uh, what about our missionaries around the globe? Have we heard from them? Are they... Is everybody doing okay? Yeah, we've heard from all of them and are monitoring them uh, constantly. Everybody's okay. Uh, many of them are under travel restrictions by governments. And now we have, in the last 24 hours, just told everybody to sit tight. We're not going to have people coming together for meetings or coming together for uh, meetings here. We're just going to hold for a couple of weeks and see uh, if this thing is going to pass, as everybody hopes it will in the next few weeks. So, so far, so good. I only know of one LCMS pastor who... And I believe a family is quarantined and uh, they're not missionaries. And I'm not sure they're in the United States and I'm not sure how they contracted the virus or if mm -hmm. they know. In terms of our missionaries and them staying put, I know many of uh, our deployed uh, servants of the, of the church are, are equipped to, to connect virtually and, and to meet that way. You mentioned, you know, not traveling for meetings and not, not coming here for meetings. I know many of them are equipped to, to connect. And so they're still receiving support, you know, from the, from the team here in, in St. Louis and uh, their partners around the world. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We stay well connected as well as you can in sure. any kind of deployed situation like that. So we have, we've been very careful uh, to try to increase and we have increased the care for missionaries to get them in the field and to keep them in the field and give them the care they need in the field, also the care uh, for families when they need it for various issues and challenges, the family's medical and other issues that come up, and then um, ongoing spiritual care in the field too. And we've made sure to deploy chaplains for the various regions to look after them in exactly that way. So caring for uh, folks here at home, caring for uh, those who are serving abroad as well. That's certainly important. We're talking with President Harrison of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, 1-800-730-2727 or 314-821-0850. I have a question for us this afternoon on Let's Talk. Be glad to take your call, 1-800-730-2727. How do we, you know, we talked about some of the things we can do during this time, this is also a good time to, uh, I think, to revisit. You mentioned earlier, you know, if you're if you're at home um, for an extended amount of time and, and checking in on your neighbor, uh, to to walk through how to speak the good news of Jesus to your neighbor. Sometimes it, I know everyone has witnessed. We've talked about that in the past, but sometimes we we might be reluctant to 
even have a conversation with our neighbor, depending on how many of our actual physical neighbors, like, you know, right next door, um, how many of them have we actually talked with? But I, there may be days ahead in, in the, the coming weeks where where people are actually in their neighborhood and have the opportunity to talk with their neighbors. Uh, how do we, uh, what's your encouragement to us if we, we haven't really gotten out of that comfort zone yet to speak to our neighbor about, uh, to speak the good news to our neighbor? Well, <laughs> I think there are uh, many, many ways to do it. And uh, one should remember uh, where one finds a person. What what are we dealing with? Are we dealing with a, a person who is angry at God or an unrepentant sinner or somebody who's worried about life or both or maybe a lapsed Christian or a Christian of another denomination who's active, all those kind of things? I think you just need to sit and spend some time with somebody and ask questions about them. Ask them about their life. Ask them about um, uh, how they've lived their life and what's been important to them. Find out what they're concerned about and what their worries are. And getting to know them in that way, you open up the possibility uh, for uh, love to occur in various ways, for you to care for that person, to develop a relationship. we know that most people come into the church through friends and relatives, and those are relationships. We also know that many people uh, hear the gospel and, in fact, believe and may not get to church for whatever reason because they're elderly. I think you should have keen ears. Share the gospel. Tell, tell them you're praying for them about their specific uh, challenge. And in a simple way, if you ask them, do you mind if, after you've talked to them about a concern they have about children or grandchildren or their situation, no matter who they are, ask, do you mind if I pray right now for you? I would like to do that. And if they say no, well, that's fine. Just say, oh, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll pray for you uh, some other time. Um, show some love and share with them your confidence that, Christ has paid for the sins of the world, and the gift of eternal life is completely free. It's completely free. Mm. Um, You might open up your catechism or your Bible to Romans chapter 3, and it's very clear statements of the gospel. The law is given that the whole world, uh, the mouth of the whole world be stopped and everyone held accountable to God and uh, and then goes on to give us the effusive gospel Jesus is put to death for our transgressions and raised for our justification look at your small catechism in the explanation and you'll see right there in the second article and the third article numerous verses you can share with them of consolation about who Christ is so there's very many simple ways to do it. Give them a portals of prayer or a nice little prayer book, Lutheran prayer book. CPH has infinite resources and possibilities for doing this kind of thing. Um, so I, I, the opportunities uh, will present themselves if we're looking for them. I think there will be lots of opportunities for front porch conversations, which is kind of a thing that's been lost in the last what last generation or so, we don't yeah, have enough of those. They har- they hardly make houses the port with porches anymore. They're more um, ornamental than yeah. real. Or maybe a back porch. You sit on the back porch. There are many more back porches. Yeah. What does that say about us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we change over time. It's harder to get to know your people, know people in the suburbs. People in the suburbs like uh, anonymity and uh, quiet and peace away from other people. So one has to be intentional about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you find yourself, your your daily routines changed and you're you're not going to work, your your kids are home from school, so you're home from school, what, what can we do with that? new gift of time. <laughs> you know, what do we do with that? How do we, um, how do we make use of that, that gift of time? 
Yeah, well, I'm no expert at this business, really. <laughs> you don't have uh, lots of extra time to just try to figure out what to do with? No, I don't. Um, with my kids, uh, it was important. You know, I had to be on the road an awful lot, and my wife was just a master at, at uh, keeping the kids uh, engaged and uh, engaged at church in various ways and looking after them and making sure I knew what the, the challenges were and the issues. And so we just tried to interact as much as possible. We wrestled a lot and played and um, had mock battles and played games and read <laughs> books sometimes and uh, all kinds of things. So I, I think just interaction and uh, realizing also kids need some time alone. So Yeah, yeah. we have lots of Legos and, and swords and... Nerf swords in in our house as well. So, <laughs> yes, lots of opportunities for uh, for wrestling and full violence. And, that's right. Very, very appropriate, <laughs> and they laugh and laugh now when we get together. Laugh about all the crazy stuff we did. It's very healthy. <laughs> what uh, what should we be mindful of and be careful of? I should say, in the days ahead with the the concerns. Um, with all the concern and the and as you pointed out earlier there there may be hype as well and uh a, a number of things to this that are coming across other media that are that are not necessarily helpful what how should we be careful how should we approach the days ahead well of course um one has to have a healthy bit of skepticism about about all things um and we see all kinds of um people coming into our lives and on our TV screens that have all kinds of ideas constantly. And I think probably it's a good idea to limit your intake of that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it can really uh, rouse you and get you all excited. So I would limit my intake of the media. Uh, I would keep in mind that those endangered, as we've said, are those especially with chronic and uh, pre-existing conditions. Those are, those are in most danger. Um, carry on uh, with uh, hygienic activities, which everybody's doing uh, for the most part that I can see, and, and uh, spend your time looking for opportunities to love your family and your neighbors. It's pretty simple. Good time to pick up a book and read, too, right? Yeah. You could read uh, <laughs> Volume 43 of Luther's Works and his uh, little track from 1527 on uh, whether one may flee the plague. You know, a lot of people think A Mighty Fortress was written in 1517 when he posted the 95 Theses, but actually he wrote that great hymn, and he wrote most of his hymns in spurts, a number of hymns in a spurt, most of them in this period in the 20s. There's about 50 hymns or so, a little more. But uh, so he writes A Mighty Fortress, right? Uh, it's believed in the midst of the plague in Wittenberg, and he was suffering a lot of challenges and issues uh, he had his own depression to deal with. His wife was pregnant in Wittenberg. Uh, the mayor's daughter basically died in his arms during the plague. Uh, Bugnog and his pastor uh, was so had his hands so full that he decided to move in. He brought his family into the house with with uh, Luther. It's interesting to look at the timeline. Fifteen twenty seven. The uh, the plague is growing. Uh, the secular authority, the prince, uh, writes from Torgau on August 2nd and says, Luther, it's, you, you should probably get out of town. Luther says, I'm not going to leave town. It's my responsibility as a pastor to serve these people. And within a short time, he's written this tract uh, urging public servants and those who care for people to stick around. Uh, he also frees consciences saying that, hey, it's really um, a matter of your choice if you feel that you have strong faith and and that you need to serve then serve if you're if you're more concerned or you want to uh, leave the town for your own safety that's not wrong uh, God uh, people like David fled Saul and wanted to stay alive and uh, many others in the Bible wanted to stay alive and he said love your neighbor as yourself presupposes that you love and take care of yourself as precious and then uh, thank God 
the plague had mostly gone by then within a couple of months, just like this thing will. And uh, Luther's wife gave birth to a child in November, a healthy child, which I thought about when I heard a news report a couple of days ago about a couple of infected mothers giving birth to, in China to children who were not, in fact, infected with the virus. And I thought, what a miracle. So um, we learn a lot from the past and, and Luther's experience. Absolutely. Certainly some, some good reading. Did you say that was Luther's works? Volume 43. Luther's works. There's not an audio version of that yet, is there? I don't think there is, but you know, that'd be a good idea. Should get on that. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Want to start now? <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> well, there are plenty of, you know, if, if sitting down and reading with a good book doesn't work for you during the, the, uh, the days and weeks ahead, uh, there's certainly plenty of audio resources as well. Lots of uh, great sermons from chapel here at the International Center available on KFUO.org, including a number of President Harrison's uh, sermons there. So you can go back and listen to them for strength, or you could just go back and review them and, and critique them, right? <laughs> be my guest there's a lot there to critique <laughs> those are certainly intended that you know we we provide those not for critiquing but uh to to continue to serve the the body of christ that they might be built up in their faith and that they can live out their daily vocations wherever they are so kfuo.org or anywhere you get podcasts you can get the daily chapel sermons there and uh, a number of bible studies there as well to to support you in your daily vocations uh we have just a, a few minutes left about five minutes left here Pastor, anything else you'd like to, to share with us, final thoughts or, or scripture that you'd like to point us to as we wrap up our conversation today? Well, in Luke, Luke 21, Jesus gives a long list of things that we can expect to see in the end times. And, you know, every, it's really phenomenal that every Christian that has ever lived, every, I think, serious Christian from St. Paul to Augustine to Luther to C.F.W. Walther, they were convinced that they were seeing the unraveling of the world depicted in the scriptures and that the return of Christ was imminent. Hmm. And uh, we can laugh at that on the one hand. On mm -hmm. the other hand, there's something about being a Christian and recognizing the, the challenges in the world that are about us uh, that makes us think, I mean, I regularly think, it. what, what next? What what am I going to see next? Mm -hmm. I mean, think of everything. You're just a kid. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to be 58 tomorrow. And I'm thinking, my goodness, what my parents have seen, what mm -hmm. I have, my father-in-law is 97. What he has seen in his life is just astounding and shocking and uh, frightening, really. Jesus said there, there will be wars, rumor of war, wars, the heavens will be shaken, there'll be earthquakes, famine, uh, persecution, and we see all of that kind of stuff. And Jesus says also you will see pestilence. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. And But at the end, verse 28, Luke 21, 28, Jesus said, when these things happen, straighten up. It's funny, he doesn't just say straighten up and or, or straighten up or put your head up. He says both. Straighten up. Don't cower. Don't bend over in fear. Don't uh, turn tail. Don't uh, don't be depressed. Don't don't doubt that God is in his heavens. But straighten up and lift up your head. For your redemption, apolytrosis, your buying back, is near. Now, that word apolytrosis is used by Paul also to describe what happens as an exchange on the cross. Christ buys us back from sin, death, and the devil. But Jesus uses that word of his final return. We've been bought with a price. You have been bought with a price um, you are his, Paul says to us. And uh, nevertheless, that exchange is going to be complete in the last day. So Jesus says, when you see these things happening, don't lose heart. Uh, know that I have promised to return. And uh, Jesus says, I hold good my promises. It only reminds us that the resurrection is coming. 
which is far more significant than any of this kind of stuff we'll deal with. And that gives us hope and courage to go forth in our families, in our communities, in our congregations, come what may, trusting in Christ and knowing that he works, he works all things for good. That's Amen. good news. Amen. Amen. That's why we, we pray Maranatha, right? That's right. Maranatha. That's the last word of the, word of the uh, Bible, isn't it? Come, Lord Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. We pray Maranatha. And, and, the last word, come, Lord Jesus. And, and during this time of Lent, Hosanna. Lord, save us, right? <laughs> well, thank you so much for being my guest on uh, Let's Talk today and, and also sharing with us this word of hope, this word of comfort, and reminding us that that is our vocation to, to be people of hope, to be uh, people that share that comfort, that good news of Jesus uh, in a world that is so full of of fear and confusion. We don't need to live in fear and confusion. We live in that hope and that, that comfort that Jesus has given us. Thanks for sharing that good word with us. Amen. Have a great day. God bless y'all. Thank you. God bless you too. This has been Let's Talk with Pastor Harrison on KFUO. I'm Andy Bates sitting in for Kip Allen today. Hopefully have him back next week. listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with the pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor Is In on Worldwide KFUO.